Hello there, and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we'll talk with Kevin Chrysler, supervisor with the county's Health Department's Environmental Health Division. Now, environmental health is our overall topic today. Specifically, Kevin and I are going to get into chatting about the uh, health department's consumer protection as well as the on-site sewage, wells, and water programs. Septic Smart Week is September 16 through 20, so definitely a timely topic there that we'll talk about. Kevin will address some of the important maintenance steps that homeowners should know. Kevin, thanks so much for being here on the County Conversation to talk with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely glad to have you here. Uh, Health always an important part of every person's life. And when we talk environmental health, what exactly does that mean when somebody hears the word environmental health? So I think to me, it's always meant, um, uh, you know, protecting the environment from the people, essentially. Mm-hmm. So we all build houses, we have shopping centers, we build roadways. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it's important to look at those projects in a manner that uh, protects what's already there, like the groundwater, the surface water, um, the lands, and and the air, and mm-hmm. um, you know that's that's our job. I, I like to say it's protecting the environment from the people, so that then the environment can help the people. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to we got to take care of what's in the ground, the water that we drink. Um, otherwise, one day, right. you know we could be without. Right, exactly. Well, environmental health, when I uh, did a quick search on the Fairfax County website, fairfaxcounty.gov slash health, the environmental health webpage um, talked about preventing, minimizing, and eliminating exposure uh, exposure to biological, chemical, or physical hazards through a variety of regulatory activities, including permitting, inspecting, public facilities, etc., and then the, the list of items, kind of the topic areas were, you know, permits, food safety, disease-carrying insects, pests, pools, um, uh, the on-site sewage and water, which we'll talk about, and then the environmental protection, air quality, asbestos, hoarding, lead, mold. Environmental health is is huge. Yeah, it covers a lot of different curriculum. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the things we engage in, some of the activities can be risky, like going out to eat um, at a restaurant. Most people wouldn't think there's a risk there, but mm-hmm. that's, there is. And there's a role for the health department to play in making sure that the public who goes into these establishments to, to get a meal, get, you know, that they're getting a safe meal mm-hmm. and they're not going to become ill from it. Um, um, so, you know, that, that's just one aspect Um uh, the food, the food safety side, and um, there there are others. Mm-hmm. I think specifically today, though, we're gonna we're gonna dive in and talk specifically about the consumer protection uh, aspect, which kind of the the food safety, if you will, as well as the on-site sewage wells, water programs, et cetera. Uh, talk a little bit about the uh, consumer protection, the food safety. Where you were talking about the health inspections, uh, food safety uh, information. Uh, helping restaurant owners and operators learn how to operate safely. You know, food inspection reports, you know, a lot of the media have things all the time about, you know, see the latest, you know, restaurant, you know, inspections and where your uh, restaurant appears, et cetera. Um, Talk a little bit about those programs. Yeah, so there's roughly 3,300 
food establishments in this county. And that, wow. of course, that includes restaurants, which is what comes to mind uh, first with most people. But there's also child care facilities, adult care facilities, hospitals, uh, hotels, uh, lots of different facilities engage in food preparation. And, and so those are all lumped into this number, mm-hmm. which is roughly 3,300 plus. We also have, um, I think, roughly about 150 mobile food trucks. So these are wow. these are the trucks that are out there driving around on, on the roads every day, feeding people lunch and, and dinner. And, um, you know, our role is to take these establishments from the time that they they get this idea they're going to they're going to build a restaurant or build a food facility um that that's where we start so we receive a set of plans and we look at those plans and we sort of make sure what they're proposing is going to is going to work is compliant with the the code um and and it's important to start off when you're when you're building these these establishments to address some of the physical issues mm-hmm. then we issue a permit and we move on to the operational side mm-hmm. of these these uh, facilities and that's where we show up and do inspections um, we we do site violations but mostly our um, focus is on education mm-hmm. with these with these type of permits we're really there to make sure the people running the facility um, have the knowledge they need to to be safe, and um, and so we really stress education. Um, again, we have to cite violations, but we we try to do it in a manner where we're we're there to help. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, we're not there just to point out what you're doing wrong, and we provide lots of other um, resources besides just inspections uh-huh. and citing violations. Um, and 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 you know it's it's important to. Um, to have that kind of approach, we're we're not just there to tell you what you're doing wrong. Right, right. Thirty three hundred plus food establishments, hundred and fifty mobile food trucks. That that one kind of was surprising to me. I didn't realize there were that many. Um, how often are your rest uh, your health uh, you call them inspectors or health department health department staff? Uh, we call them environmental health specialists. Okay, and they do a lot of different things. One of one of the things they do is, would be okay. to inspect these food right. establishments. Right? How how often are they going to these food establishments and and checking on things? So we rank each food establishment by risk, hmm. and uh, essentially there's three levels of risk and. Um, very simple operations like, say, a continental breakfast at a hotel. It's very minimal uh, preparation. Um, they're not typically doing a lot of cooking from raw to, to, mm. to a ready-to-eat state. So we consider those to be relatively low risk. So they might get one inspection a year. Um, two inspections a year would be the next level up, and these are establishments that are engaged in a little bit more risky behavior. Um, and then we go to a third level where these are facilities that we think really are um, uh, engaging in certain activities that do require a little bit more oversight. So they might get three inspections per year. Mm, okay, right? okay. Um, some of those type of activities that would bump you up into a higher right. risk would be, um, say, reduced oxygen packaging, which is a way that some restaurants use uh, to, to store food in, mm. an, in an anaerobic environment. And if you do it right, you can, you can um, keep the food longer, quality's better, but there are certain risks involved mm-hmm. with that. Now, that's the kind of activity that you're going to have in a high-end restaurant, not mm. so much a um, 
fast food chain deli perhaps. or fast okay, food. Okay. I mean, and and that's how we sort of divide these establishments up by risk mm. and, and determine you know how many inspections they're going to get right. per year. Now, the mobile food trucks that fall in one of those categories, or is that something separate? The mobile food trucks are a little bit different because obviously they're not stationary. Right. So we can't <laughs> Hence just, the word mobile. <laughs> you know, we can't just show up. Uh, we you don't know find, where they're you at. Find them. We got to find them. Um, so. Um, we, we know where some of the locations are, and we go out and do random inspections. Um, we also inspect the trucks at least once per year when they get their permit renewed. Oh, okay. So they come to our office, and we can do a physical inspection on the, on the truck. Once they're operating, um, it's a matter of catching them wherever right. they're at. And, right. and, you know, so, so that number is variable. They're right. all going to get at least one. Right. Depending on how much they're, they're working, they could get two, three right. additional inspections. Now, you may not know this, but are there certain parts of the county that you're allowed to have a food truck, or can a food truck just operate anywhere in, in the county? No, it's uh, there are some rules. Okay. Um, you know, in order to park in the right-of-way on any road, you have to have permission from um, Fairfax County Department of Transportation and sometimes the police department. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is set up a few places. Um, they're specific locations on on specific roadways where mobile trucks are allowed to operate between certain hours and so we can go out and those those places Mm -hmm. are usually there's a truck there Um, you can operate on private property as long as you have permission from the property owner Mm. Um, you can't just go out and set up anywhere you want (laughs) right Um, so yeah there are some rules yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. okay and uh, quickly before we move on to the other thing uh, other topic we want to talk about um, special events I'm thinking like celebrate Fairfax where there's uh, f- not food trucks but concession stands I guess is health department involved with operations like that festivals fairs that come into the county yeah absolutely yeah we call those temporary events so mm-hmm. we're <laughs> issuing a temporary permit that's going to run uh, from a specific date to a specific date okay. and take uh, celebrate Fairfax we we generally have 40 or 45 um, operations that come mm. in and serve food during that event. So we're going to permit all of those. Um, we don't inspect every single, um, well, we don't, we don't inspect every single vendor at every single event, mm-hmm. but we, we do what we can. Mm-hmm. Most of these are on the weekends and after hours. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we have staff who volunteer to go out and conduct those inspections. Right. But um, we certainly make our presence known yeah. and um, try to make the fair food safe. Yeah. Are there certain requirements for different food served? I, and the only reason I ask this, my dad uh, was in, in funnel cakes down in North Carolina, and, and he got out of serving pretty much everything because he found out if you serve, you know, sausage, dogs, french fries and all that, the health department inspections were a whole lot more than if you just sell funnel cakes that have mix and order. So are there are there different levels of... Um... Yeah, sure. I mean, certain... Um, there, there are certain foods that we consider to be um, uh, hazardous mm-hmm. or potentially hazardous. Yeah. Uh, other foods are not, not so much, like a, a flour mixture yeah, to yeah. make... Um, uh, funnel cakes, uh, there's not as much potential there for um, foodborne illness as, as say, raw meat raw that you're going to yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna carry it through a cook step and there might be a hot holding step before it's served. Mm. That's when things get a little bit more complicated and there's more potential for problems. Yeah. And so, yeah, certainly we want to look at the, the, uh, the operations that pose the risk um, 
and and that's where we want to spend most of our energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know uh, you talked about safety early on, and uh, my kind of flashback, uh, my daughter's soccer team, we, we did concessions for them for a while at, at tournaments and festivals as a kind of a fundraiser, uh, not festivals, but, uh, you know, soccer tournaments and those kind of things. And to work in that um, stand, I had to get a food safety handler certificate or something like that. So... Yeah, we call that a certified food manager certificate. Okay. Um, And that's a credential you can earn by um, preparing for the exam. You take the exam, you get a passing score, you get the credential. Um, There there is some training provided if you Mm -hmm. need it before you take the exam. But that just ensures us that you have a certain basic level of knowledge and um, to operate these food um, um, vendors, stations, and um, essentially, when you're the one that has the CFM card, we view that person as the, the one that's in charge or mm. in control of the operation. Gotcha. So if we have issues with an inspection, we're going we're gonna to work that, that out person. with that person. Uh, we also expect that person to be in control um, and, and actively managing the employees if they see them doing something mm. that's not safe. Gotcha. Right. Okay. We're talking with Kevin Chrysler. He's with Fairfax County's Health Department, uh, Environmental Health Division. He's a supervisor there, and we're talking about environmental health, this overall umbrella. And we've talked about food safety here, the first part. And now we're going to kind of transition a little bit into uh, on-site sewage, wells, water programs, that kind of thing. Uh, we kind of wanted to talk about that because September 16 through 20, as I mentioned in the intro, is a Septic Smart Week. A lot of folks in Fairfax County may not be aware that it's Septic Smart Week or the need for septic system, you know, awareness, that kind of thing. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we find uh, the knowledge of homeowners on on these on-site systems can range from zero to, um, you know, very knowledgeable. A lot of residents are on the the lower end of that knowledge curve. I'm I'm pretty pretty down there too, so yeah. So Septic Smart is an opportunity for us to sort of shine the light on on these systems and get people to think about what's out there in their yard. Um, And, you know, again, education is one of the big things that we try to provide Mm -hmm. to, to residents. Some of these systems are simple, conventional systems, been around for a long time. Um, there are there's some maintenance um, associated with those, but more and more we're seeing these very um, highly technical and complex alternative systems that require a lot more maintenance, um, sampling, care than um, conventional systems. Mm-hmm. So it's important for us to get the word out to homeowners who may not have any idea that when they flush the toilet, the waste goes out into their yard and is absorbed into the soil and eventually works its way down into the groundwater. Um, We want them to know what's happening every time they flush the toilet or take a shower Mm -hmm. or, uh, or do the dishes. And, uh, and then again, we're there to, you know, provide resources for answering questions. And, um, you know, that's an important piece for us. Well, as one of the zero to less knowledgeable people, um, what should I know or think about when I flush that that toilet or take a shower, run the dishwasher? What what it, what should I think about or what should I know to, to look for? Sure. So um, 
VDH and, and Fairfax County Health Department have come up with some sort of catchphrases that help people think about these things. And one of them is, uh, don't strain your drain. <laughs> now, uh, again, everything you put down your drain in one of these homes is going to go to a septic tank, go out to the yard and be absorbed. So what we're trying to say with don't strain your drain is, you know, be efficient with your water use. Don't put any more waste down the drain than you have to. Um, these these systems have finite life. And they don't last forever, and you need to take care of them. Um, another catchphrase is think at the sink. So hmm. uh, we're trying to get people to realize that not everything should go down your kitchen sink. There are certain things that you should not put into your system. Like what? Um, chemicals, um, uh Paint. I mean, you'd, you, well, you'd be imagined what, you know, what people will put into, say, really? their utility sink in their garage, you know, oh, yeah. uh, okay. thinking that, you know, I'm going to flush this down the pipe. It's going to go into, so it's going to go away and be yeah. gone. Well, actually, it's not. It goes out into your, to your, it ends up in your yard. And um, wow. most of these systems uh, where you have on-site sewage disposal, you also have a private drinking water well. And uh, so you're drinking the same water that you are um uh, you know, you're, when you flush the toilet, it, it, it all ends up in the same place. Now, everything, if, if everything's working correctly, by the time that water reaches your well, it's, it's very clean, very purified, filtered, um, and, and it's a great uh, cycle. Mm-hmm. It, it works. It's been working for many, many, many decades. It's when you don't install things correctly and you don't maintain things correctly uh, over years, you could potentially contaminate your own drinking water source um, at your house. And mm-hmm. so, again, think at the sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, avoid fats, grease, solids, and mm-hmm. chemicals going down your drain because these these are not they're not good things for your on-site sewage disposal system. And even these things that you're talking about, whether you have a, an on-site sewage system or you're connected to a municipality water system or whatever these are still important things to, to yes, remember yes you shouldn't um, you shouldn't put any of these things down even a public sewer the difference is that you own your on-site sewage disposal system um, when you have a public service um, you're going to own the lateral out to the street and then then that lateral is going to be owned and maintained by somebody else so if there's problems in that system those those people those groups have resources to address those those issues but you're on your own as a homeowner with mm-hmm. your system mm-hmm. um, if you if you mistreat it and um, it causes problems then there's there's going to be an impact and there's going to be a cost and and you're the one that's going to be responsible right now what percentage of the population are we talking about or, or households I mean how many systems, you know, are, are we talking about here in Fairfax County? Do you have a, do you have a number? I have some rough numbers. Okay. Um, I think... I won't hold you to I it. I want to say <laughs> it's something like over 20,000 uh, on-site sewage disposal wow. systems. That's more than I thought, actually. Um, it's, it's a pretty wide area. Uh, they don't provide public sewer everywhere because, you know, primarily their board of supervisors may want to limit... Um, development in certain areas. Mm, and so there's okay. a lot of there's a lot of Fairfax County that's served by private systems. Mm-hmm. Um, key 
key takeaway as we kind of wrap up for them, people that, that are one of these 20,000 or more uh, that have their own their own system, key, key yeah. things to remember? Yeah. Um, take care of your system. Perform the regular maintenance. Um, if you have a conventional system, that's typically going to be pumping out your tank once every five years. If you have an alternative system, there's a little bit more involved. There's inspections that have to take place on a certain time frame. There's certain sampling that has to take place. And, you know, you need, we want to make sure that the system is producing the effluent that, that everyone said it was going to produce. So stay on top of your maintenance. Um, stay on top of the inspections and sampling, and your system's going to last you a lot longer than mm-hmm. it would if you, you know, if you didn't do these mm-hmm. things. And these alternative systems that you mentioned, these are fairly new? Yeah, since uh, I think it was around 2009, the regulations changed to allow some of these alternative systems. And uh, we really saw them, the numbers of of these type systems going up, say, in the past five years. Hmm, Interesting. Um, There's, um, I think, probably around 12 or 1,300 alternative systems in the county. Hmm. And these systems allowed properties that previously could not be developed. Oh, it I gave see. them an option to be developed. Okay. So um, these are challenging lots with challenging soils. And it's if, if you want to build a house there, um, it's much more expensive to install one of these systems. But it's the only way that you're going to have a system that will serve a house on, on these type of properties. But at least you're able to build a house yeah, on that. Yeah, at least you're yeah. able to, to develop your property. Yeah. Um, because of the conditions, you have to do it in a, in a more particular way. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, I, before you said that, I was thinking maybe it was these alternative systems. People had these older uh, systems, original systems or whatever they were going to replace or whatever. But I didn't even think about the, the new construction. And, yeah, yeah most, of the, most of the good lots have been built on. Um, prior to 2009, you could not build on certain lots. And with the regulation changes, it opened up a lot of property for development. Uh, but again, it's, it's much more technical. It's more expensive. Mm-hmm. You have to really think about it as you have a small sewage treatment plant in your backyard, mm-hmm. very similar to the big treatment plants that we see in the county that handle all the public sewer. Uh, it's it's very complex. It's designed a p- very particular way, and you have to stay on top of these systems to make sure they're going to function the way they were designed to function. Mm-hmm. A lot of good information here. We've been able to give a, a, a really high level, uh, you know, kind of explanation of, you know, food safety, the inspections, you know, the, uh, the septic, the sewer systems, those kind of things. I'm sure folks are going to have questions. They want to get more information. How can, can folks learn more about these two topics or, or anything really with the environmental health from Fairfax County? Sure. So they can visit our website at uh, www.fairfaxcounty.gov slash hd slash osnw or they can call our main phone number at the health department 703-246-2201 we'll we'll take the call provide any kind of information that we can and um, um, you know help 
help protect the environment from the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Kevin Chrysler with us. Again, he's a supervisor with Fairfax County's Health Department's Environmental Health Division. And again, if you want to get uh, more information, uh, call him 703-246-2201. I believe it was the phone number, also fairfaxcounty.gov slash health. Uh, there's also uh, fairfaxcounty.gov slash health slash environment where you can uh, get more information there as well as some of the other web pages. And if you have any questions or a specific uh, phrase you want to look for, a topic, just, again, fairfaxcounty.gov and hit that little search button and uh, you can get the information there. So, Kevin, thanks again for joining us. Appreciate the information. Very good job. All right. Thanks for having me. It is going to do it for this edition of the County Conversation. Thanks to Kevin again for being here. Thanks to you for joining us and uh, listening. Uh, Do us a favor. uh, Give a thumbs up. Give a like. Share this information with anyone that you think may be interested in it. And if you want to get more Fairfax County news and event information, we encourage you to go online to fairfaxcounty.gov slash news or call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329 weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. The County Conversation is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.